0: This podcast episode is dedicated to empowering sensitive people to recognize their trait as sensory intelligence
1: and bring their unique gifts into service for the crucial roles we play in communities, businesses, and leadership globally. I'm Julie B. sensitivity expert, psychotherapist, and founder of the online sensitive empowerment community.
0: I'm Willow McIntosh, founder of Illuminance and leader of the high sensory intelligence movement. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, everybody, and I'm very excited that you're here, and I'm excited to talk to Willow about the topic, Highly Sensitive, the gifts from our childhood. Hi, Willow.
0: Hey, Julie. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, so great to be here. And we're doing our... uh, are recording live today in my Sensitive Empowerment community, so we'll be talking to different members. I see we've got Johnny's here, Nikki's here. Uh, We've got people from California. Where else are you guys? I love it. Um, Tina, hi. Kara, hi. Awesome. Becca, hi. (laughs) Love it. So let's jump in, Willow. Where would you like to start?
0: yes absolutely it was great to have you guys with us i'm so pleased that we're all together to investigate and dive into this this important topic for us as hsp's and i got this sense that there was a an, there is something really valuable for us in reframing our childhoods and giving ourselves an opportunity to understand and remember just how much things made sense for us as a child, even though, even if we went through a great deal of challenge, a lot of discomfort as a child, which typically many of us do as high sensory people. This is an invitation for us to really recall how close we were to our soul's mission, how the world kind of made sense to us and the gifts that we had as a child and how we can actually start to remember how to bring those back into our lives and see the adversity that we've been through, but essentially the gifts that we had in our childhood.
1: Yes, I love this topic and I'm excited to talk to you too. I'd like to share stories about our childhood also. And I think that from what I've seen working with this population that we, so many of us need to reframe our childhood experiences. And I had to do the same thing. Just being such a sensitive child, oh my gosh, and just not having the kind of support or understanding that I needed for that sensitivity. So, just, you know, experiencing that feeling like there's something wrong with you, even being told there's something wrong with you, you know, hearing those words why are you so sensitive? Why are you reacting like that? Why are you crying? What's wrong with you? And, um, and anybody that's listening live, if you're relating to what we're saying, I'd love to hear from you guys also. Um, and, and uh, what do you think, Willow, has that been your experience, too?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, my experience, myself and, and many of the people that I work with, you know, we, we, we were misunderstood as children. You know, a high percentage of us were. I certainly was myself. You know, the world was, uh, the world that I was experiencing was very, very different to the world that I was sharing, or that I felt safe to share. And when we don't have the right guidance and the right sort of support with helping us to experience the world as highly sensitive children, then, you know, there is this tendency for us to hide ourselves or for us to try to be how we think people need us to be, or simply when we're reacting emotionally in, in the way that we do, or, you know, we're, you know when we're struggling. And, and just for that to be kind of rejected and for people not to understand just how, big of an emotional experience that we were having as
1: children oh my goodness totally i and i see people are tina's like yes yes lots of you're too sensitive and nikki's on board with what you're saying too and i agree i know for myself too and you were talking about how we um we kind of hide and i certainly did that i was like and it's so fascinating now kind of looking back on it and also working with HSP, seeing them in the same space that i used to be in this place where um i totally had a mask on and i was like i'll just be whoever you need me to be and in in that in in that process i didn't even know myself i didn't know who i was i didn't reveal who i was i mean it was really a you know people thought i was just so happy all the time with a smile on my face but i i didn't really reveal who i was and it was really hard to be vulnerable in that aspect because i didn't like who i was And I I would have changed my sensitivity in a second back then. And what's so interesting about that now, having gone through the process of healing and reframing and doing the work, I love my sensitivity and think it gives me so many gifts and I can see those gifts now. And I think that's why I get so passionate about helping HSPs be able to do that, to see their gifts, because there's so many of them and, and we need to feel safe and we need to understand like we need to be around other sensitive people i'm a big believer in that so that we can normalize our experience and um it and it's really quite difficult to be um to be happy with a mask or hiding i really don't think that we can be (laughs) i wasn't happy that's for sure
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I, i i absolutely agree i wasn't i wasn't either um, and it just it, I, th- you know, there is there is there's such an opportunity for us to recognise just how valuable our experience was as a child. So, you know, yes, we were rejected. I mean, talk about for, from my own experience. So I, you know, I was I, w- I wasn't an easy child to have around. I was I was very adventurous, and I was very I was I was in this kind of big sort of energetic experience. I wanted to explore. I was. I was very adventurous, but I was also really, really sensitive as well. So it was it was it was this mix of energies, and it was it was it wasn't easy for the people bringing me up. And I, you know, I had hats off to them for for everything that they did for me. But unfortunately, what the way that I perceived things was, I I realised that the kind of, the way that I saw the world and the experience that I was having, it was it was such a powerful and meaningful place for me. And unfortunately, because there was this, you know, because there was this sort of misunderstanding for who I did end up creating this false version of myself, which created a great deal of misery and grieving in me and and depression, depression, essentially, that came with me right into my into my um, adulthood. And yet what I what I have come to realize over the years is is actually. This big energetic experience that I was having, and this uh, this sort of soulful relationship that I had with the world around me, that was my real mission in life. And what's happened now is I've I've come through this adversity and this sort of this, this shift in myself of. Um, having to work through the grieving and let go of the full self and let go of the kind of the, the, the critical mind that I had and, and the, the, the sort of the torture that I put myself through my own self rejection of myself. And having come through that, I've now seen that underneath all of that is this soulful expression where I have this amazing relationship with the kind of the love and the energy in the world. And I just want to support and facilitate others and help them to see the greatness in themselves. And it's, it's actually through that path of adversity and coming back to reclaiming who I know I really am, that's made me who I am. It's, it, it's, it's actually that, that difficulty that has shaped me. Um, and I think it's really possible for all of us to reframe and reclaim what we had as a child and just how useful it is for us as an adult
1: yeah definitely I love the concept of reclaiming who we are and I think there's so much resilience in this population that we're we are resilient we've had to be we've we've been coping with high sensitivity um, in in a in a world that's more set up for how the eighty percent experience the world and, um, and I see uh, Nikki was com- made a comment about uh, her grandmother um said she toughened me up so I wouldn't be walked all over because of my sensitivity. Yeah, the, the concept of being toughened up, for example, is right is a message right there that there's something wrong with sensitivity. And I love watching and witnessing um, sensitive people start to really become empowered and embrace who they are. Because, I mean, we all who know you, Willow, just love you. I love you. And I I think you are such a such a beautiful soul in the world. And it's like, when I think about imagining you as a child, and I'm just like, oh, I want to give you like the love and support that you probably needed. (laughs) I feel that way. I'm a mom. So I feel that way. And, um, you know, and I love like the research shows that if uh, sensitive children are raised with the right kinds of support, they actually excel even more than non-sensitive children. And I like to talk about that a lot, because I, I think that's important for us to understand that we are very valuable, and our sensitivity is valuable it 's so needed in the world you 're some of the most kindest, caring, compassionate humans um, and and that comes from sensitivity right
0: yeah one hundred percent absolutely and, and that's, i think that 's what 's uh, so useful for, for us to remember there 's so many times when i when i 'm talking with clients and, and doing my kind of initiation piece that I do with light like workers where i 'll hear them talking about their childhood. like I had a great example the other day um, where we we uncovered this this piece where, um, as a child, this lady was um, was w- when there was just like lighthearted conversations going on um, in the room, which was sort of when I say lighthearted, what was really difficult for for this lady was, was to be around kind of fake conversations where there was no one's really talking about anything because what was happening was she has this ability through her high sensory intelligence to divine truth. Like she can sense when people are talking from their heart. Her passion was all about talking, um, helping people to talk from their hearts and, and, and be in their truth. But what happened as a child was because she wasn't talking very much, her family would make fun of that and kind of reject her and put her down. And so this ability that she has to divine the truth, which is a profound ability, has been squashed. And, and it's, she's almost relating that to, um, to being wrong or, kind of, or a fearful state. And I used to do exactly the same thing. So I had this kind of like this, 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 this drive and this calling to want to, um, to help people to see their passion and purpose within themselves. And I, and I would ask difficult, challenging questions. And that was squashed in me as a child. So I went into life thinking, well, I've just got to do a normal job and I can't be the person I really want to be because I would relate that to something that was wrong or bad. When actually those things that we're good at are the very gifts that we're here to bring into the world. And helping us to understand that just because they weren't accepted as a child definitely doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them.
1: Mm, yeah, it's the opposite, it's needed. And this trait evolved as a survival strategy of the population. You're, the, the gifts that come with this trait are absolutely needed in the world. I'm thinking about that person that you were describing. <clears throat> and you know, that's the thing is we take in and we absorb and we listen and we process. And, uh, it, and it's, I think it's so life changing to learn about ourselves within this trait too, that we, I know for myself too, I have a, I have a difficult time with small talk. I want to jump down into the, to the depths of someone.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I want to be down in there in the depths with someone talking. And I know a lot of people relate to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, yeah, again, it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, it's interesting that it's, it's a very common thing with us that, you know, that we love to kind of dive in and and talk deeply. I mean, you know, we have a rich inner a world and I think we know just what's possible when we have deep conversations and the healing and we're all born healers and coaches and consultants. Um, and so, yeah, there is a real tendency to, to want to dive in, dive in deeply. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's it's really a, a root in I have found to to tune in and think about, you know, what was most important to me as a child? What was it that I was what, you know, what was it that I was so fascinated by? What is it was around people or the world or you know, when, when we kind of think back and think, oh my god, I used to really love doing this, and I used to really love being this way, there there is such a there is such a, a kind of a root in or an indication of how that can be represented and Recreated in our adulthood, you know, rather than thinking I've just got to be in a boring job or I've just got to sort of do things that I think I have to do to be able to make a living or to make things work. But actually, you know, when we allow ourselves to really tune into our soul's energy and the, the authenticity of who we are, and kind of reclaim that power, I think that's when amazing things are possible for us.
1: Mm, I agree. Just to to be able to cho- choose the path that feels right to you rather than the one that everybody else is taking (laughs) and i think that uh, that we need to do that because we're carving out new paths and new ways of doing things and it's so beautiful uh to to witness that and i when you're talking about just imagining as a child and stuff i was thinking about myself on kind of on the farm um i lived i got to live part-time on a farm and and uh, I used to be out with the animals like all day and I really felt I could communicate with them. Like they were my best friends and I could just look at their faces and their eyes and I would know what they're feeling and needing. And it was just such a special, I think that's the, that's the tuning into this really strong intuitive part within us, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And it's interesting. How, how, Julie, from your point of view, how do you feel that um, your kind of experience as a child has, do you relate sort of how the work that you do in the world right now with your experience as a child? Can you see that there's a kind of a link with your ability and your sensitivities and your gifts that you had a child and how that kind of relates into your work that you do today?
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm going to be curious to hear about yours, too. I was thinking about um, how much I've reconnected to that 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 part of myself that I think that I covered for a long time. So it's like a deeper part inside of myself. And it took a long time to learn how to take off my mask and and be myself. And I, re- I actually remember... When I was practicing doing that, practicing being vulnerable with people and, and show, like revealing my true self, and I remember physically shaking, like my body was interpreting that experience as dangerous because it was sending out adrenaline and alarm bells, and I was physically shaking. It was so scary to be vulnerable, and that had a lot to do with um, you know I think that there's some kind of uh, pure peace inside of ourselves that we that we can connect to from our childhood and for myself I think that that got covered up with no you're not supposed to be like that be like this instead and no there's something wrong with you so don't don't show people how sensitive you are there's something wrong with that and there's all those messages like that so in a sense I kind of feel like all these layers covered up that that pure authentic part of myself and through the work and the practice, because it's definitely practice to get to get comfortable and feel safe to be vulnerable with others. We have to do a lot of internal work of loving our own selves because if I love myself and who I am, I'm not feeling as vulnerable about needing you to love me and like me. But if I'm not liking who I am, which is where I used to be, it was incredibly you know vulnerable and terrifying to reveal any parts of myself because if, somebody said something, I would instantly, um, you know, kind of collapse. There's like a, there's something inside of ourselves that we need to reconnect and rebuild. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think you've touched on some really, really interesting points there. It's, it's actually, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's actually, that as a child, it's almost like we have this connection to our purity, to and whatever that might be for us individually, you know, um whether it's kind of just having a you know really open heart and, and feeling the love in the world and just coming from this place of purity and strength and obviously we all have our own kind of individual versions of that and for me i had this i had this kind of like this big sort of heart reality where i could see colors in things I could all my senses were kind of merging together i could feel i had this like really interesting re, um a sort of interactive relationship with myself and the world around me. So I could, my, my senses were picking up things. So I, so I was feeling what things looked like and I was feeling what things smelt like. And I, I can remember standing on the lawn and kind of like feeling the colour of the grass and I could feel the sunlight in the air. It was all merging together in this In this big experience and and for me that was like being in this incredible adventurous wonderland like I just loved it I just loved it was such a space filled with love and meaning and I could really sense the flow of everything and like the flow of sort of nature and mother nature doing her thing and this kind of this benevolent purpose in everything and that and for me there was just this wondrous sort of state that I just wanted to share I just wanted everybody to experience that and I And I felt like we're all a part of it and it just felt amazing. And and like so it wasn't as though I had this particular gift or a skill or like, you know, something that I can put words to as a child, but it was like it was just this state that I was in. And it took me yonks, it took me ages and ages and ages to learn to be that person again as an adult. And I went through exactly the same thing that you're describing there, Judy, where, I, where sometimes I'd start to talk about it and I'd start to share it. Or I find something, you know, sometimes I'd only share it when I had a glass of wine in my hand. But gradually I realized that, you know, as I started to just allow myself to be that person and, and start to let go of this critical mind thing that was telling me that was wrong or it wasn't safe for me to be that person, as soon as I began to let go of that and I really just allowed myself to be that person again, Then everything really started to make sense, and I became of much more use to the people around me, and I felt so much happier in myself. So, I think it's almost this reclamation of our heart space that we had as a child, rather than trying to work out, okay, what's the gift or the purpose? It's just reclaiming that authenticity, I think.
1: Mm, Yeah. When do you think that you started to lose it, and why? What was that like for you?
0: Hmm. It's a good question. I, I started to lose it. Um, I can remember, I can remember when I, when I went to my, um, when I went to my big school, but I can't think what, um, how It was called secondary school in the, in the UK. So when I was kind of 13 and 14, I can remember this sort of, this shroud or this cloud coming over me. I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've really got to be someone now. I've, I've really got to fit in. I've got to kind of, I think it was almost like. Um, all the sort of like the advice that I'd have from my you know the people around me that were bringing me up at the time but it was all kind of filling in I was like oh my god I can't be that person anymore I've got I've got to be a particular person to to survive in society I've got to be a particular person to survive at school so 13 or 14 I can definitely remember this kind of change happening in me and what I would do is I would I would form friendships with people um, and I'd have one or two people very, very close to me that I could really be myself with every now and again. It's almost like I was being naughty when I was being myself. And then I'd come out of that adventurous place and I'd come back to being the sort of like, you know, the, the, the well-behaved willow and just sort of do what I thought needed to be done. But gradually what happened is I started to, I, I just remember this pain forming in my chest, this sense of grieving that I'd lost something. I, could, I just couldn't work out what it was. It was right the way through till I was 19 where I just, I just left the school system and I was like, okay, I'm not being on anyone else's agenda. I need to go and do my own thing. And that's where I kind of began my, um, my, my pilgrimage abroad, so to speak. But it was definitely that I can remember around that age when I went into my, into my bigger school. Um, and I just fought with it. It was, it was a horrible feeling for me for many years.
1: Hmm. And it's so beautiful that you found it again, because look at what you offer the world now and, it's it it would be so sad if that hadn't have happened. Was it like a for you, was there some sort of turning point for you that made you get it back, like to to connect to that part of yourself again? Was there like a moment in time or was it a build-up over time?
0: It was definitely a build-up over time. It was it was a sort of a sequence of uh a, a sequence of kind of facilitations and healing moments that i had during my life so when i first left the uk and i went off um, i went straight into a um well i did various different kind of deep soul work practices and i didn't really know what i was doing at the time i didn't know what i'd lost or what was going on but i really knew that i needed to kind of delve into myself and so the first kind of experience of it was when i went on retreat silent retreat for on and off Um, i moved into a a meditation retreat in the blue mountains in in uh, just outside sydney in australia and it was when I allowed my mind to quieten, when I, I, I stopped the chasing thoughts and crit- there was so much criticism going on in my head, it was unreal. Like My, my thoughts were 90% self-criticism. And, and when I allowed that to stop or simply because the meditation practice, we were just focusing on our upper lip for three days, like doing nothing else. There's no television, radio, nothing, no talking. So gradually what started to happen was when I stopped that chatter in my mind, I then suddenly experienced this garden-like bliss again around me. I remember walking around the kind of the grounds of the meditation center going, oh my gosh, this is what I had as a child in it. And it really started to come back. But what began to happen was as soon as I would come out of meditation, I would then kind of go back into the habit of tangling myself up really. And so it was through the choice of speaking to the right people, getting the right facilitation and committing to wanting to really reclaim that in me, that gradually as I, as I refused to listen to and believe in the thoughts and the self-destructive attitude that I had, the easier it became. And then gradually almost like, I love your analogy of a lotus blooming. It was almost like it wanted to bloom in me anyway. It was, it's who my, it's who I naturally am. So So it did take time, but the more that I practiced and the more that I stuck with it, gradually it became more and more accessible and and is now my kind of default state. Like I know the other version of me, just it isn't real.
1: Mm -hmm. And there was something inside of you that made you do that in the first place, to do that, to stop like that and do that meditation.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, there was absolutely something that, that called on me to do that. It was, it was an inner knowing that the mess that I was in, the state that I was in, it just didn't belong to me. Even though I didn't have the words for that, I knew that that was the case. I, I can always remember this sort of sense of being okay. Even though I was in this horrible place of negativity and pain, there was always a place in me that would say to me, "You actually, you're okay and you will always be okay. And it was learning to trust that voice and learning to just allow myself to fall into that space as regularly as I could, the, the easier it got. But there was another really key part of it and something that i that it's, it's a very sensitive and, and, and it's a controversial area for us to kind of go into. But, but the, the, the part that really helped me was by stopped being around the people that were feeding this darkness in me, feeding this this negativity this this criticism oh, yeah. I, had to, I had to make the choice to get myself out of the wrong company and the wrong relationships, and that what that's probably what made the biggest difference to allow it to really come through to me
1: oh that's powerful I bet we have, I bet there's many of us that can relate to that. I can relate to that too that this uh, because I think that and you were talking about how you had like ninety percent self criticism. That is such a common experience for for us too. And I love working with HSPs when we go through that process of like, is that your voice or is that your parent's voice? You know, saying those words and sort of going through this filtration process of what do I what do I own as mine and what was given to me, right? Oh, we've got some great comments coming in. Um, Tina was saying, "Sounds like you had heightened perception compared to those around you when you were telling your story, Willow." And Annabelle says, "Oh, this is a powerful to here to stop being around people who feed this part." Um, <laughs> Johnny's yeah. yeah. I'll send them to the black forest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. Yeah, it, it was it was like having a kind of a heightened perception. That that's exactly right. But it was, you know, it was, it, it, it was. I was fighting and losing battle by being, around, and bless their hearts, you know, I, I, I have nothing to say about anyone who, you know, who was the wrong person for me to be around at any stage of my life, you know, bless them, we all are on our own soul journeys. But for me, you know, it just was so detrimental for me to be around because... Because I, we, because I am so sensitive, you know, and, and I use that word carefully these days, because, you know, I, I, I don't like to connotate the word sensitivity with weakness. When I use the word sensitive, I mean that it's this extrasensory ability to pick up more data around me. But the trouble is, is if that data is that data's kind of damaging for me, or it's, it's feeding a part of myself that is dangerous for me or damaging for me. You know, it it was, it's just a very, very detrimental place to be. And I'm not, you know, from the experience of that, where we have this kind of part of ourselves is, oh, no, I've got to fight it. And I've got to, I've got to, I've got to strengthen up. And I, I can change those people around me. Or, you know, it's like, no, that wasn't my experience at all. For me, it was just getting, getting people around me that loved me and, and wanted me to excel and be the brilliance that I, that I know that I am and the other people around me you know if that that wasn't their truth and therefore you know I had to get very very strict with who I spent any time with at all and that was really pivotal for me
1: yes and and this is oh, we're doing a whole entire event about this the friend like developing healthy friendships and relationships because this is a really common theme among HSPs is that we because I think we combination of things we're we're so giving and so loving and so kind and there definitely are people in the world who will take advantage of that without healthy boundaries. It's almost like if we're holding a container open, it's like just for them to dump everything into it. And I've certainly had that too, the experience of being in very unhealthy situations, friendships, relationships, things like that. Um, when I was most vulnerable and, uh, not connected to myself and, and, um, and you know, you, you keep trying, especially if it's like a, a romantic relationship or a clo- or a, you know, maybe a friendship that you've had for a long time. And it's so fascinating to go through this process with somebody doing the work because what ends up happening as we start to raise the bar for our, our own self-worth and self-esteem, we start to recognize that sometimes that means that there's people in our lives who cannot raise up there with us. And so the choice becomes, do we lower our bar for them, which I suggest, don't do that. (laughs) Or do we keep our bar raised and expect people to rise up with it, to treat us with the, with the respect and and care that we deserve. And there's your, your opportunity to see who can do that, who can rise up to meet you there and who uh, this healer once said, once said to me, and I've loved the words that she used, that sometimes we go through a shedding process. It's like a shedding process that this no longer works for me this situation this person this toxicity no longer works for me and and so what that's a very difficult process i've been through it um, incredibly difficult process to create those boundaries and to shed some of those connections but on the other side of it is an opening and you had talked about like the sense of kind of closing versus opening the heart and, um, there's an opening on the other side of it to an energy of meeting people at that level who treat you with that love and respect that, that you deserve.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Exactly right. And, and yes, you, you, because of our, our natural empathic abilities, you know, we, it's almost like I, I can remember like, um, um, I, I knew the people around me needed me to be a particular person they wanted me to be this kind of loving kind funny just giving person but in a very particular way and I could I could always feel in myself it's like oh my god this just isn't who I am it's like I'm just being this person it took me ages to realize that and then suddenly it was like hang on a minute that's actually not who I am and I realized By being that person around other people, I really wasn't helping them either. It wasn't a place of of authenticity and, and reality. It was a lot of the people around me could sense that there was this big person in me. And it was actually quite nerve wracking for the people around me when they thought about me really being myself and being successful and being who I could be in the world. Because it meant that they were going to go and have to do the same thing so i would so i would keep myself small around them and, and but actually it was it was just as detrimental for the people around me as it, as it was for myself it doesn't work on both sides and i think the the choice that we must make is either we stop being around those people altogether or if it's not possible for us to do that we must choose to take responsibility for ourselves, or we must continue to give ourselves once we can take responsibility for our own selves. So it's like, I need to be the person that I'm going to be. And it's actually knowing that as an adult, we are going to be able to look after ourselves and be ourselves. And if people around us can't handle it, then we're just not going to be around those people.
1: Mm, Yes, yes, yes. Nikki says, uh, quote, keep myself small around them. Wow, that's a perspective I hadn't thought of. Mind blown. And Tina says, yes, can relate well to keep trying. And Annabelle um, says this is something still need to um, work on or be mindful with. And Becca says, what do I own as mine and what was given to me? Very powerful for self-awareness. I'm glad this is all related, you know, that you guys are connecting to this and I'm loving your comments because it's such a amazing thing to share this experience with other people
0: yeah it really is yeah and I think it's something that is not talked about enough in our circles I think I think we you know I think we're um, I mean it's it's a it's a difficult topic because we're social animals and deep down in our hearts you know um, or deep down kind of in our, our sort of reptilian ancestry almost you know we know that we we it's dangerous for us to step outside of our our close communities, our circles, our families, you know, we, I think it's inbuilt in us that, you know, we have to stick by family. We have to stick by, you know, um, friends and things. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's frowned upon by society when we do take a move to step out of our circles, if they're not healthy. And, and it's frightening for us to do that. And, you know, and I, I think because I have just embraced this and, and the most important piece I've realized is that, I am no longer going to be rejected or I am no longer unsafe if I choose to look to myself for my own sense of security and
2: strength.
1: Ooh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a big one. That's a big one. I, I call that like a, this sense of self-development. And I think a lot of us didn't have that we didn't have a chance to develop that and i didn't either it was a big empty i almost like have this visual of this container inside of us that you know we in a healthy situation we need to have that filled up with our own stuff this our own sense of self of who we are knowing who we are loving who we are but so many of us don't have that developed yet luckily you can develop it but if you don't have it developed it's like an empty container and you know, that's where we get into trouble with certain kinds of relationships. If somebody can take advantage and they'll just dump their stuff into that container. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I yeah, exactly that. I can, I can remember sort of being, being so scared of what, someone was going to think of me if I said the wrong thing or I'd overthink stuff or anything. Oh my God, I've done this or I've done that. And like, now this means I'm not going to be safe or it means that I'm going to be, you know, pushed out. I'm going to be rejected. And, and once I actually just removed myself from the situation entirely, I suddenly, I realized it's like, I, I'm fine. I haven't died. I'm completely okay. I'm a, I'm a much more, i really swore there. I'm much, much happier. And, and now I really don't care what other people think of me to an extent to an extent, but I have just learned that there is this, my, I know that I'm okay inside of myself and I'm much more useful and loving in an authentic way around other people now as a result of that.
1: Because you were able to develop your own sense of self and that's how you're able to do that. And I think that's the, that is the most powerful thing to walk around with that developed. Um, and you know, I think one, one piece to start with is to pay attention to your self talk.
0: Yes. A great place to start.
1: Yeah. And like Tina saying, I totally agree with you, Tina, talking about the neuroplasticity of the brain and how our brains change according to the company we keep and the experiences we are accumulating. Absolutely. It even changes based on how we're speaking to ourselves. That's a really powerful thing to start paying attention to. There was one of the most powerful changes in my life was the development of self-compassion, being able to, look, well, because if I'm going through something that's hard and I'm and I'm criticizing myself through it, I am going to fall apart, and I did over and over and over again. And it really took me. And 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 self-compassion is a, I believe, a brain training skill that you get better at with practice. So start practicing in little ways, like you make a mistake or something goes wrong, and how are you speaking to yourself, right? And Boy, is that a different experience now to be able to even, even I have these moments to this day where I'm starting to feel a little off or icky or something's not quite right. And I can check in with myself now before it would have been hard on myself. Like, oh my God, what's wrong with you now? Why is this a problem for you again? Oh my God. You know, just, just terrible put downs to myself. Um, and now it's like, okay, you know, what's going on? Let me check in there. How am I doing and what's happening? And why am I feeling this way? Let me try to figure this out without judgment because then I can go down inside and support myself through it.
0: Yeah, really, really good, Julia. I, 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 couldn't, I, just, I can't say how important that is, what you've literally just said. Is, it's is such a breakthrough when, when that happens. It's, it's almost like realizing that the mind is not in charge. It's actually the heart that's in charge. The mind is very good at doing stuff But I remember this this definite shift that happened when when my thoughts are critical and I think, oh my God, I I am the person that my thoughts are telling me that I am. And as soon as I shift into that, actually, no, my heart knows who I am, but my thoughts have the ability to trip me over and stop me accessing my kind of heart experience. So I learned to question my thoughts. I'd literally ask myself, I would stop, I would say silenced, I'd say the words, uh, sorry, yes, I'd say the word silenced to my head And the word stillness to my heart. And then I'd ask, yes, silence and stillness were just would literally stop things in in its tracks, just to give me enough time to ask the question: is that true, Willow? And as soon as as I'd asked myself that question, my mind would would be silent because it it didn't have an answer to it. It was almost like my mind went, Oh my god, you just noticed what I've been doing. So I'm gonna be quiet now.
1: That's a beautiful, like I'm really into like being able to create new neural pathways in the brain and that's a, being able to do that with, to stop with a word like that is that ability to, it's almost like you're creating a detour instead of heading down this path that you've always been on. You're creating that pause and reflect ability rather than going directly into reaction and you're being able to stop and go, hmm, maybe I'm going to take this path instead over here.
0: Yeah, I think that is, it's. I think for us as high sensory people, it's such an important tool for us to have on a constant basis to do that, to gradually begin to retrain those neuro pathways where our hearts and our heads just learn that we're not going to keep falling down that hole. There's a great analogy, isn't it? um, there's, you know, where, where, we keep, we keep falling in the same hole. We keep walking down the same street, walk, falling in the same hole until one day we look at the street and decide just to walk in a different way. And, and that's so important for us, I think.
1: Yeah. And to support yourself through it. Like Linda's actually posting some interesting things that we might talk about for a moment about, uh, ending a toxic relationship that she hadn't realized how toxic it had been. And that, um, she's also realizing that it's hard and um, to do that. And I think that's, that's the thing is to definitely acknowledge, like if you are noticing you have a toxic experience or relationship in your life and you're going through that process of shedding that, um, I, I believe that there's a sense that we can do where it's like you can choose which, which path t- to look down right now. You can look down the path that looks at um, the regret of it, the, the pain of it, but you can also look at the, the path of this is opening up to honoring myself and my needs, loving myself through this, and supporting yourself through the feelings that you're having. It, and, and even if it was a terrible relationship, we still go through the process of grief because it's you're changing and you're... There's a sense of loss, and I think it's important to acknowledge that feeling within yourself and support it, and still go to the space of reminding yourself this was still the right decision because now I'm honoring myself.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It it is it is a a a process of having compassion for ourselves that we are going through a process, but I, you know, it's from experience, it does find its. It does find it's, we, we eventually come through it. I, I yeah. can't recommend, you know, high, recommend highly enough saying, but keep going, you know, keep keep persisting and go through it, even though it is hard. Because what happens is eventually things just find their natural balance again. That person that was so difficult to be around for a while, it, it kind of finds it, its balance. They find their balance in their lives again, and we find our balance in our lives again. And things move on. It, it, you, you will come through it. It is persistence, and yes, very much a a path of self-compassion whilst you're going through that, definitely.
1: And you're opening up a space, a new energy for someone to fill that treats you well, that, that it respects you, that is balanced and healthy because now you have raised your bar
0: yes exactly yes that, that's exactly right yes so we yeah it's it, you know we are so much more used to people around us um when we are being ourselves and we're being true to ourselves because you know when we're in those difficult relationships or those toxic relationships our hearts are constantly screaming at us saying this is not working this doesn't work for me you know and it's no use us suffering just not to want to let someone down because it doesn't help them and it definitely doesn't help us we it is a matter of finding that courage and doing what our hearts want us to do. And it's knowing that our hearts will know what to do as we go through it.
1: <laughs> I, I read this, uh, this quote or something somewhere, and it was talking about how if you're trying to, it, like it doesn't work to try to please everybody, because you will never please everybody.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true.
1: I think about that when I look back on my own life and I remember all those changes I made and I, I lived so long trying to please everybody that it actually developed resentment in my side of myself, which is common when we're trying to please others and not be ourselves. And then in the end, when I, went, when I got through it to the end, I look back and I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't actually please anybody. <laughs> Doing that, putting my mask on, didn't, didn't actually please anybody. it was a big waste of time
0: (laughs) (laughs) it didn't make any difference anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's uh, that you've just hit the nail on the head right there that's exactly right it's even though we're putting so much energy and effort into doing that it doesn't actually work anyway
1: yeah it it doesn't work anyway and we've lost ourselves in the process
0: yeah it might we might put a few band-aids on things and keep people happy every now and again for short periods of time but that that's not doing anybody any good.
1: i love this topic what else is important to share before we end today willow and i don't know if you wanted to go into some more detail of some planned talk or to go through you know questions or what works for you
0: yeah i mean i'd I'd love to if, if we have time i'd love to love to take some questions
1: yeah so if you guys have any questions um You could uh, put them in the chat. You could say I have a question and then you could come on audio and and speak it as well. If anybody has any questions, I wanna give you guys a chance to do that. Um, Let us know what's been helpful for you. What did you relate to? um, If you have any particular kinds of questions, let us know. We'll give a moment for that. It's been, it's so fun, Willow, to, to talk with you about our experiences and learn more and more about you. And I'm certainly happy that you, that you, be, that you can reconnect to that part of yourself because then you become a gift to the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, the, that's the key piece. It's, uh, it's trusting and having the faith that when we, you know, I love that, that wonderful quote by John Burroughs, it's leap and the, and the net will appear
1: oh I like that <laughs>
0: Yeah, leap and the net will appear and that's definitely been my experience it's, oh, and, it's and, awesome. have, and doing that you know it um things just fall into place our hearts know what they're doing they really, oh we got
1: a we got a hand up I see I see
0: that Johnny yeah please we'd um, love to I'm love
1: gonna mute you it. and Nick uh, Tina was saying we would love another hour on this topic if you felt like it. I love it. Yeah, Johnny, jump on.
2: Hi. Hi. Hey Johnny. Yes. Hi Willow. This is amazing. Um I'm new in Julie's program. I've been following her for a while and everything and I and just recently with all the stress of, you know, the pandemic and everything, I was just feeling everybody's energy from the across the world and I was melting and i i couldn't function so i says i gotta i need help so here i am (laughs) Mm. yeah help and support great
0: to have you here
2: yeah thank you so um i guess um what's showing up for me from this conversation is i'm an i'm an entrepreneur pretty much have been most of my life i do not like to work for somebody else (laughs) um unless i have an an entire freedom to do my to do it the way i want to do it because I feel that that's the right way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, um, as an entrepreneur right now, is like um, when it's trying to discern who to work with and who not to. It's, you know, yes, someone needs my help, but then my heart opens up to them and I start helping them and then they start taking take advantage of it. And, and, and it's like, that's so hard to, discern even though you set boundaries and you know you do everything that you're supposed to be doing and encourage them but it's just like a struggle and i have found that you know i've been a life success coach for over 20 years and everything and so and um and i have found that i don't want to do this anymore because of that one thing it's such a struggle and i and i want to help them but I don't want to grow my business anymore. I don't want to do it anymore because of that one thing.
1: Yeah, this is this is a great question. You know, as a as a psychotherapist, we um, spend a lot of training on uh, how do we make sure that we're setting and maintaining healthy boundaries, and that's actually so important because it it keeps the relationship strong and and it prevents resentment on and and it prevents unhealthy. Um, You know we need to create those healthy boundaries so i personally suggest that creating as as a um, anybody that has their own business or you're working with clients or anything that you actually have um, a very black and white structure like this is what i do and this is not what i do and you have it written down and you stick with it because as we can see resentment causes problems and it's impacting now you even wanting to do your business so thinking about um and not changing the rules for anybody because then you create a healthy boundary and you don't have resentment and that's actually better for both of you who you're working with as well as you what do you think Willow? anything to add to that
0: yeah it's it's such a fantastic topic you've you've asked there johnny I, i know exactly what you mean here I I feel as from experience, definitely as business owners, we have a particular ideal client. There's someone that we love to work with. And there's and exactly as Julie just said there, there is a particular structure that we like to do with them. When we step outside of that and we try to be all things to all people, we end up doing those people sometimes more. We sometimes doing them an injustice more than we're helping them. I definitely felt that in my sense. When I started out, I started working with high sensory people who weren't entrepreneurs, who were just kind of getting their heads around, you know, they weren't in a very good place. And, I, and, and it wasn't the right environment for me to be in. And it was very draining for me. And I remember doing a, like a, um, a coaching online by doing emails with people. And I, oh my God, I got myself in such a pickle. And it was when I made the decision, it was like, hang on a minute who do I really, really want to work with? And what do I want to do with them? And it's about being super strict with yourself around that. And Once you get that nailed, and you get that in place, everything changes.
1: Yeah, yep. You,
2: How's that, Johnny? Does that cover your question? It helps. It was helpful. It's just that when you're talking about tapping into our childhood, what, you know, um, um, and the benefits of what we learned in our childhood, it's like, you know, for me, I was very gregarious and open and curious, and I got, uh, people loved me. I, I just felt it, um, and because I connected with them or whatever, and so I'm trying to, I try to bring that in, but then as soon as I relax and do that, then that's when problems happen. So it's kind of like, do I compartmentalize the two? Do I, you know, it's like, I can't be myself if I can't bring some of that into the picture.
1: Yeah, I think having a set-up structure for yourself, figuring out, I would suggest, um, uh, and I'll just kind of wrap this up quickly so we can get to a couple other questions, but I would suggest writing down the areas that you get resentful, because that's information for you, and then figuring out, can I work this into a set of structures, whether it's paperwork that people sign, whether it's something that I look at and say, this is my structure and I don't change it for each person. Because that also takes a lot of emotional energy away if we're trying to shift what we're doing for each person. And mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm listening to this story and I feel bad for them, so now I'm gonna change what I'm doing. But down the line that creates resentment, that's not gonna be healthy. So getting some sense of what that would be for you and writing that out in a sense of structure for you and that's what you stick with as your guideline because then you can be yourself because uh-huh. there's no structure there.
2: Uh huh. Okay, great. Thank you. You're very welcome.
1: Um, and I think we have uh, a couple people wrote questions too. I want to get to before we end today. Uh, question for Willow from Nikki. After you came out of your retreat, how did you transition back to normal life? Quote.
0: Uh, that's a great question. Um, uh, uh, I, I actually, I was abroad for a long period of time, so I was abroad for about seven years on and off, so I kind of went from retreat, I mean, it was younger then, so I, I had the sort of freedom to to just continue with with sort of exploring my self-development. But actually, I, um, um, I think if you're referring to a short retreat, like a couple of weeks or, or perhaps three or four weeks, then obviously, you know, we definitely need a period of time to readjust, to allow ourselves to come back into our bodies and, and readjust to get back into work again. But I think if you're talking about after a long pilgrimage period, I actually, um, I went into teaching windsurfing and snowboarding, and I was a real um, outdoor sports fanatic. So I, I actually kind of went into a, a lifestyle that was quite gentle for me and a lot of play and a lot of adventure. So it was a, there wasn't a great deal of responsibility. I wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot of stress in it, should I say. So I made sure I put myself in a, in a place that wasn't filled with day-to-day stress, I would say
1: yeah you, you sounded like you kind of like slowed down and you kept on checking in with yourself and you even noticed like you wavered a little bit you didn't it wasn't like you just exploded into this space you actually had to practice it a little bit over time
0: exactly exactly yeah. yeah there there wasn't like an immediate transition it was a it was a gradual process
1: yeah practice that's the word I love is like keep practicing and you get better at it with practice. Um, and maybe we'll take this last question here from Annabelle. Um, what do you recommend to do, for example, if you're in a team meeting and surrounded by toxicity? In, meeting, in meetings, it isn't always possible to remove yourself. Any advice?
0: Yeah, I find, uh, I find in meetings, actually, I, I, as high sensory people, typically we have really important things to bring to meetings and I don't know if this might be the case for you Annabelle but sometimes we tend to or in my experience sometimes or even my, myself tend to kind of just sit there and not speak up and kind of just get more and more annoyed with how bad things are getting but I find if I make sure that I'm, I'm speaking up um, as much as I can not to try to dominate the conversation but just to gradually try to shift the energy a little bit and I have found by acknowledging people people who 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 are constantly kind of loud and noisy in meetings are often actually talk they're actually being the voice for the fears or the concerns of the group and actually by facilitating that person a little bit or just kind of acknowledging and asking them perhaps what's underneath that and maybe trying to reveal what the causes of the fear and the toxicity sometimes you can kind of open it up into a bit of a mastermind and invite people to really talk about what's really troubling them So if you can, I just a bit of an invitation to a little bit of speaking up facilitation and try to raise the energy in the room a bit.
1: Mm, Like it. And I would add too, just from experience, I remember being in a situation years ago where uh, I had to be in these weekly meetings with um, a lot of toxicity. And I used to get migraines and stomach aches before I would go to these meetings because it was so difficult for me. Um, And one of the things that I learned was uh, the concept of, like, creating a safety bubble of, like, where you're, there was different ways of doing it. It's like what you're basically doing is protecting your energy inside of that, whether it's like a bubble, a ray of light, uh, a concept of even a shield to protect yourself so that your energy is strong before you enter the room and another piece of advice, it's something that worked for me too, was to uh, make notes to myself about even what I was feeling. If I was having a really strong feeling about that person or something that was going on, I would make little notes to myself, like, it's going to be okay, you're going to get through this, or, um, or maybe even like, you know, checking in with what do, I, what do I wish I could do right now that would be different? Do I wish that I could speak up about something like, like Willow was saying? So um, the concept is, is that you're connecting to yourself and your needs and that's where you're being that, that compassionate, caring friend with yourself in the process.
0: Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, I did definitely the, uh, the sphere of light, the bubble of light, the bubble of love. You're definitely kind of just having that sense of a protective energy around you, like, you know, calling to your higher self, your angels, whatever it might be, the kind of the just grounding of the earth and just going in with a commitment to maintain your own, vibration regardless of what happens and we can do really powerful stuff like that we things can literally bounce off us especially when we choose not to take it all too seriously if we kind of smile a little bit or imagine everyone naked or something and just keep things... <laughs> uh,
1: try out different ones and let us know what works for you animal <laughs>
0: yeah 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 exactly
1: that's very helpful oh this is wonderful any last words willow
0: Uh, no, I I, just thank you so much for you you guys being here. Thank you for your wonderful input and questions. And it's been such a pleasure. And, you know, if you guys have any other questions or we didn't get to, you know, please do reach out to us into the community or or wherever you'd like to. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll be posting the, the podcast replay of this and you guys can definitely, um, once that's up post stuff in the comments about it Um, and uh, thank you for being here everybody and I just loved having the interaction on our podcast today and thank you Willow as always it's such a pleasure talking with you and uh, I enjoy all the amazing conversations we've already had in our in the past episodes we've done and also the ones up ahead of us so I'm excited to share all of that with you all
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a pleasure as ever. I love speaking with you, Julian. It's such a wonderful uh, opportunity. Thank you so much.
1: Lovely. You guys take really good care of yourselves out there and we'll see you in the community. Bye, everyone. See you soon. You can take my free sensitivity quiz and find all my HSP tools and resources at sensitiveconnection.com.
0: To register for the next masterclass on how to make your shift into high sensory intelligence, visit inluminance.com. Please leave us a voice message if you have a question or comment for us to be included in a future episode. Just click the voice message button in the show notes, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from and record up to 60 seconds. We love hearing from you.
1: And please share this episode to help others and take extra good care of yourself out there. Bye-bye everybody.